0: The question of worship is a question of priorities. Here's Pastor Trent Griffith. Should you love your son?
1: Yes. Should you love your wife? Yes. Should you love them more than God? No. And a son or a wife or another person or a career or yourself is a horrible way to find your identity, significance and worth. We can't be followers of Christ If there's anything we love more than God and we are tested every day on whether or not that is true.
0: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. So when you were in school, did you ever ask your teacher this? Is this going to be on the test? And even if you didn't ask it, it's pretty likely that someone in your class did. Why did we say that? I think maybe we wanted to know how closely we needed to pay attention. Well, today we're going to hear about some questions that were on the test for the Old Testament character, Abraham, and it was probably the hardest test he would ever face. Pastor Trent is continuing here on Resonate in our series, Epic. So let's listen in.
1: As we come to Genesis 22, we come to another, maybe even the most epic story in the Old Testament. And I know I keep saying that week after week, but we're learning that every epic story in the Bible is telling the story of Jesus. And so every time we open the Bible, we're reading not only a story about Abraham or whatever figure we're studying, we're also reading our story because This is the story of how God and man are reconciled and relate to one another. And then we're also reading the story of the gospel. And we need to understand that as we dive into this, we're looking for the story of Jesus. Here's the big idea of the message today. God proves his love by paying the price of the promise. God proves his love by paying the price of the promise. I want you to look here at the first verse of Genesis 22. It says, after these things, stop right there, we've got to summarize what that's all about because we haven't read all of the chapters together, hopefully you've been reading along, but you know that about 10 chapters previous to this, God came to Abraham and said, get up, get moving, get going, you're going to go to a place that I have promised you, I'll show you what that's all about. I'm going to bless you, that was remarkable in and of itself because God was going to reverse the curse. He was going to bless instead of curse. And that blessing was going to not only bless Abraham, but it was going to bless all the nations of the earth through the great nation, the descendants, the offspring of Abraham. The only problem with that was he had married a wife who was unable to get pregnant. Now, back in the day, they didn't have fertility treatments. And so the fertility treatment was get another wife and sleep with her And so Abraham, instead of trusting God to provide through Sarah, actually manufactures his own solution, and in fear, he has a son named Ishmael. God says, that's not the one I'm talking about. And so he gives him another son. His name was Isaac. God does a miracle and gives a son to Sarah named Isaac. Remember how Sarah laughed when God said she was going to have a baby when she was 100 years old? And so she named his name Laughter, which is Isaac, the way that we know him. When we met together last time, we saw that Abraham intercedes. He pleads as a priest on behalf of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, which was facing the just judgment of God. And Abraham is thinking and asking, maybe this is the one of the nations I'm supposed to be a blessing to. And he asked God if he would treat the wicked many in Sodom as if they were the righteous few, giving us the understanding that God will impute righteousness to wicked people. Which brings us now to this passage. Genesis 22, after these things. Those things, here's what God did next. God tested Abraham. Everybody see the word tested in your Bible? Underline that word. That's an important word. Are you a good test taker? When was the last time you took a test? Uh, Did you pass the test? If you're a parent, how many parents in the room right now? Do you have often repeated conversations about test taking in your home? That is one of the most often repeated conversations in our home. Now, God is about to give Abraham a test. There are four questions on the test. And we're going to see those four questions here. But why does a teacher test a student? Believe it or not... Your teacher, if he's a good teacher, actually wants you to pass the test. I know that sometimes you have to convince your children that they're good teachers. They want you to pass the test. They teach you and then they test you. Well, God has been a good teacher to Abraham, teaching him about how to trust him, teaching him to believe he's going to fulfill the promise. Now that he's taught him, he needs to test him. So, after these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. Now, do you see in your Bible, do do you have an exclamation point after the word Abraham? Does everybody have that? So, can I read that the way it's supposed to be read? Abraham! That's what that means. It's trying to get his attention, right? we, We have to have a conversation. We're about to have a test. So, he says, Abraham says, here I am. In other words, I'm available I'm listening, and I am ready for the test. Now, as we walk through this passage, understand this is not just a story about Abraham. This is a story about you. You can insert your name in there with the exclamation point after it, understanding God is trying to get your attention through this story this morning. The question is not, will God call your name? He will. The question will be, will you answer the way Abraham answered, here I am. I am listening. I have showed up for the test. What are you trying to teach me? I want to pass the test. Here's the first test question. The first test question is, do you love anything more than God? God is going to ask Abraham that question. This is an idolatry test to see whether or not Abraham loves God most. So here we are in verse 2, and God says, Take your son, your only son, Isaac. By the way, how many sons did Abraham have? Two. God says, Take your son, your only son. Son. You see, Abraham had a son out of fear as he manufactured one through someone who was not his wife, and he had a son through faith, the promised son, Isaac. And so God says, just to be clear, we're talking about the promised son here, your only son, the fulfillment of the promise. So he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. And so God acknowledges this loving, affectionate adoration that Father Abraham had for his son Isaac. If you're a father, you get this. There is a love that a father has for a son that should never be severed by abuse or absence or neglect. Abraham had that relationship with his son, and God acknowledges it. He's passing the father test. But then he says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. God tells him to go to a very specific geographical location on the planet. You see the word Moriah there? Underline Moriah. You're going to find out there is significance to where God sent him. This was about a three-day journey. He again was going to have to leave where he was and go 45 miles in one direction to get to the place where God told him to take his son. And what's he going to do with him there? Offer him there as a burnt sacrifice, a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Not any mountain, one mountain. Offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, would you just let that verse sink into your brain? would you absorb for the next several seconds the ridiculous command God gave Abraham? What we are reading in verse 2 seems absolutely inconsistent with the character of God. In verse 2, the command of God seems to be inconsistent with the promise of God. The name Abraham means father of a multitude. God has promised there's going to be this long line of generations that are going to come through Abraham's son. That was the promise made. In verse 2, God kills the promise. God makes the promise in Genesis 12. He kills the promise in chapter 22. What is Abraham supposed to make of this? What are we supposed to make of this? Do you know that many people stumble over this story so much they can't even conceive of serving a God that would ask Abraham to kill his son? Not just kill him, he's to be a burnt offering, he's to burn the body of his son. He's to slaughter him. Not only does God want him dead, He wants Father Abraham to watch him die. He wants him dead at the hand of Father Abraham. Are you feeling the pain of this? Can you imagine doing this to your son? Now listen, God is testing Abraham... And the way that God is testing Abraham, he is not going to call to test you or me. As a matter of fact, we know how this story ends. God never intended Abraham to sacrifice his son. So, why is the story here? What is this test? Could it be that God wants us to feel the pain? that a father would feel of giving his son, his only son, that he loves as a sacrifice. I believe this story exists so early in the Bible because God wants us to know something, not just about Father Abraham, but he wants us to know something about Father God. We understand in this story it's not just about Father Abraham sacrificing his only son whom he loves. This is a story about Father God who sacrificed his only son whom he loves Jesus and God wants us to feel the pain that Father God felt in doing that. And so God tests Abraham. Now we said that God doesn't test us the way that he tested Abraham, but you can mark it down. God will test you. And in a sense, this was a test to see if Abraham loved God more than he loved Isaac. And God may test you about something that you love. Can I ask you, what do you love? Well, what are your top five loves? Do you love them more than God? Do you know that the reason some of us are not More in love with God is because you refuse to relinquish some other love. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your reputation. And it could be there's a father in here that loves a son more than he loves God. That's sin. So much so that Jesus said this. In Matthew 10 37 when he was calling his disciples he said whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me this is the idolatry test We can't be followers of Christ if there's anything we love more than God. And we are tested every day on whether or not that is true. Should you love your son? It's not a trick question. Should you love your son? Yes. Should you love your wife? Do we talk about how you should do these two things? Yes. Should you love them more than God? No, and a son or a wife or another person or a career or yourself is a horrible way to find your identity, significance, and worth, that you love them so much that you love them as an idol of your heart. Mark it down. Your heart is going to love something, and God knows we can't fully follow him if we love anything more than God. But it's more than just this. God wants all of those loves on the altar. God wants to know who comes first. And so who comes first in your relationship? Is it any other relationship other than your relationship with God? But again, God wants us to feel something about a father. Let's see if he passes the test. Look at verse three. So Abraham rose early in the morning, he saddled his donkey, he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Did Abraham pass or fail the test? Pass. Now, we don't know how much time passed. We're not given a whole lot of commentary on what he was feeling. But if you're a father, you're probably thinking there was probably a lot of conflicted emotions going on, even as he obeyed God. Here's the second question on the test that God gave Abraham. And it's a question for us as well. Will you worship God even when you don't know what he is doing? Look at verse 4. On the third day... Would you please underline third day in verse 4? That's going to have some significance for us. And on the third day... It was a three-day journey to this place, Mount Moriah. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. The word worship here is used for the very first time in the Bible and I think it's strikingly significant. God didn't call him to the place to worship. God called him to the place to kill his son. And yet somehow, in Abraham's mind, he translated what he was about to do as an act of worship. Abraham is about to surrender the thing that he values most. And he said, that is the place of worship. Do you understand what worship is? Worship is not just coming and singing your face off and, you know, reading scripture. And it's not just this gathered collection and trying to sing some songs. Worship is something that you bring to God. Worship involves offering yourself and your will and your loves to God. And worship is costly. Can I ask you a question? Did you just walk through 30 minutes of collective worship and not worship? Because all you did was recite some lyrics in a song, raise a hand. The question is, did that worship cost you anything? Did you lay your will before the Father? Did you surrender your life before him as the one who is worthy of everything you have? That's what Abraham did. He understood, I am giving to God something that cost me everything. And he did it not knowing everything that was involved and not knowing everything that God was doing. Can you worship even when you don't know what God is up to? Do you you sometimes ask God for a little more information? Um, God, if you could just unfold this story just a little bit more, it would help me take my next step. God, I, I could give a lot more money if you would just kind of show me how you're gonna provide it back. Um, God, I would go to a dangerous place if you would just give me body armor and some uh, collective guards there to take care. No, God, God, most often God does not show you everything he's doing before he requires you to worship. Did you get a bad health report or you're wondering where your next job's gonna come from? There's some, probably some people in here wondering, hey, hey, God, if you could just work out this relationship with my spouse, then God, I would. it'd be so much easier. Yeah, God's not into easy worship. He's into costly worship. Our whole relationship to God is one of offering ourselves as a sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 says, "'I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Our whole life is an act of worship. And it is in every moment, every day, putting everything on the altar and saying, God, you are worth more. The word worship comes from the word worth. I'm giving you something that is worth everything. God wants it all, and he wants it all on the altar. Now, there's an interesting thing going on here, too. Um, Look here at the last part of verse 5. Abraham and Isaac go to the place of worship. But before he goes, he turns to his two servants and says, Guys, we're coming back. Not I'm coming back we're coming back. So what is going on here? Abraham somehow believes Isaac is going to make it out of this alive. And he probably doesn't know how. He doesn't know how God's going to get this done. All he knows is God made a promise. And it appears God has killed the promise But I believe God is able to resurrect this promise and we are coming back. He must have believed that God, even if he wanted him to sacrifice his son, that God was able to raise him from the dead. The reason we know that is because of passage of Scripture that gives a commentary on this way over in the book of Hebrews, where it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested... Offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he really did receive him back, which we're going to find out later, God actually does it. So God made the promise. God killed the promise and God is able to resurrect the promise. And so the third question on the test is this. Do you believe that God will provide? Abraham has to pass this test. That question is found in verse 7, but we need to read verse 6 before we get there. Look at verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, Now, just stop right here. We don't know how how old Isaac is. And sometimes when we think about this story, we think, you know, he's probably like 10, um, maybe. But some commentators believe he could be as old as 37 years old at this point. He could have been 33. But what we know here in this text is he was old enough to carry some wood on his back. I don't know about you. I got an 11-year-old. He didn't carry a whole lot of wood. Um, When he gets older, he's going to be carrying some wood. He's probably an adult at this point. And he is is strapping on his back the wood that will become the tool of his own execution. He laid it on Isaac's back and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. Verse 7. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, uh, fire, check. Wood, check. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Legitimate question. Legitimate question, yes or no? I want to suggest to you The question, where is the lamb, is the most epic question in the Bible. And it's a test for Abraham to see whether or not he believes God will provide. Let's find the answer to the question. Next verse, verse 8. Abraham said... God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both went together. Question Where's the lamb? Answer God will provide. Pass or fail? Pass. Do you believe that God will provide? And remember, God is testing us. Can I ask you the question? Do you believe that God will provide? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what God's asking. Is there something you are refusing to lay on the altar because you think I can't live without this? Do you believe God will provide?
0: We need to take a break right here and say we'll have to wait until next week to hear the conclusion of this message right here on Resonate. So far, we've heard three of the four test questions. First, Do you love anything more than God? Second, will you worship God even when you don't know what he is doing? And finally, do you believe that God will provide? Of course, if you're familiar with the story from Genesis chapter 22, you know that God did provide a substitute to die in Isaac's place. If you've felt God tugging at your heart today, it's important not to ignore it. Maybe you've thought, yeah, I actually have been loving things more than God, or I'm not very good at trusting that God knows what he's up to. Or maybe you've thought, worshiping him right now is really hard for me. I do lack the faith to believe that God will provide. You know, the best advice I can give you is to stop whatever you're doing and tell God, just confess it. He knows, and he really does care. Maybe he's testing you like he tested Abraham. So take a moment right now to find somewhere quiet where you can pour out your heart to him. And after you've told God, it's often helpful to talk to someone else about it too. Maybe you can open up to a leader in your church. And if you need a church to call home, why not think about Gospel City Church in Granger? For more information about service times and locations, just go to mygospelcity.org. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, next week on Resonate, Pastor Trent will share Abraham's fourth and final test question. But it's not just for Abraham, is it? Join us to find out what that is. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.